Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, it's time to talk some gopher football because I want to know what the heck is going on with the Golden Gophers. They let me down a couple of weekends ago. There I am hanging out. Hotel to the bar in Kansas City. You know, a little parlay going. Were the Gophers part of that parlay? Gophers part of the parlay. Ooh, ooh, so you're like doubly upset. I was steaming. I was like, what is going on? So I probably should have checked in with Daniel House from Gophers Guru to uh, for him to weigh in on that game. I didn't do that, so that's my bad. It's on me. But now I'm checking in with him now prior to them uh, playing the fight in Illini this coming Saturday. So Daniel House, Gophers Guru, is joining us here via the um, John Schuster Coal Banker Hotline. First off, Daniel, how uh, how was your bye week? What did you do over the bye week? Bye week, I was getting ready for the Illinois game, recapping the Purdue matchup. What we learned, though, Lake, is that you can't put the Gophers in a parlay because they're 0-1 now. So you're, 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 you've you're got the analytics for your bets now. I'm just saying, man. Wait, wait, wait. So wait, you did you hold on? Did you just tell me? Hold on. Now I got the analytics. Wait, did Daniel House? Did you just tell me that you go from homecoming and watching the Gophers lose to Purdue? They have a bye week, and you took the entire bye week to study up on the fight in the line eye. That's what you did. I did. I was getting ready for future games too. The bye week. Uh, that's the time to prep. Man, come on, Daniel, Daniel, let, let me just tell you, for future reference, the next time that you come on this show and I throw a softball like that at you, you got to tell me that you went to the club and you got wild and loose with the ladies. You can't tell me that you were just studying the analytics on the fighting line. I, I want to hear something more more risque. Well, I was, I was being honest, man. I was what I was up to. Hey, honesty is the best policy, but I'm going to have to go ahead and tell Nadine Babu that you did that you didn't get out and 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 pate like my parlay. But anyway, let's talk about the fight in the line. I um, they are ranked 24th now, and this is a situation where I look back into what happened with the Gophers. Clearly, Vegas thinks that it was just mm-hmm. a bump of the road. They think that the Gophers just stubbed their toe. Because I am su- surprised that the Gophers are favored 
going on the road. Are you surprised? I'm surprised it was six and a half. I thought it'd be closer. It was three and a half earlier in the week and then, you know, bumped to six and a half. I feel as if Vegas kind of looks at it like I do right now, saying there were a lot of key execution mistakes that could have swung that game. You think about Mike Brown-Stevens dropping the ball in the end zone that goes right through his hands, leads to a pick. Missed throw on third and nine, had a zone hole shot, possible touchdown. That ball wasn't placed great, had pressure from the right side. You missed the field goal. Like just all these small details that weren't executed at a high level. So now you had the bye week to sort of figure out, get back to the fundamentals and hopefully clean some of that up. And then Mo Ibrahim missing the game was a big factor too. Like his availability yep. and his presence is just huge for, for that offense. You know, you got one of the best backs in the country and not able to play. It's certainly going to impact what you can do offensively. And clearly I didn't know about that, but let me, let me ask you this about Mo and his health. What are you hearing about his health? Is he 90%? Is he 85? Is he 80? Where are we at with Mo and, and the ankle? Flex said he ex- expects him to play this week, so that's the assumption we're getting right now. But, you know, he warmed up, just wasn't good enough to go, and I think they felt like having the bye week, they wanted to be close to 100% uh, for the next game. So I think it was more of a precautionary rest type of thing uh, that they that they wanted to do with Mo. Talking to Daniel House, Gophers Guru, here on uh, The Lake Show, News Talk 830 WCCO. Also, give him a follow on Twitter, at Daniel House NFL. Now, Illinois ended up winning an ugly game last weekend against Iowa. I just saw bits and pieces of it. I didn't see a bunch of the game, and I'm glad that I didn't because it was just it was brutal. But didn't Illinois, didn't their quarterback get injured in that game and have to leave? Yeah, Tommy DeVito injured his ankle. Uh, Brett Bielema said there's a possibility he might not be able to play, but wasn't certain yet. The bigger injury, Lake, is uh, slot receiver Isaiah Williams. He's one of their most dynamic weapons. Accounts for a lot of their yards after the catch and is a big part of their system. He left the game with a concussion, and his status is unknown as well. That was a very physical game. Both teams kind of had the smash mouth, old-school Big Ten type of low-scoring game. So there's a lot of injuries that piled up on both sides of the ball. So actually, it will actually be important to see who's available in this game, uh, you know, in warm-ups. All right, so with Illinois, uh, i I, I got to be honest, I haven't watched them play yet this year. Uh, you were already studying them. What do they do well? Their defense is very strong. Uh, the second most efficient defense in the country right now. Uh, their scheme, the players play super fast, versatile. The thing to watch in this game, Blake, is uh, Illinois is one of the highest blitzing teams in the Big Ten. They love to be aggressive with their defense. Minnesota hasn't faced a team like this this year that attacks the protections that you're using in a lot of different ways. And so I'm interested to see the scheme. Purdue did a great job of taking away the intermediate and run-pass option game, the, the quick passing that's been such a big strength of the Gophers' offense. So we'll see what type of approach Illinois takes. If they have one of their versatile defenders like Sidney Brown or Quan Martin potentially roaming the, the intermediate part of the field, they play a lot of man coverage. So you'll see uh, Devin Witherspoon, one of the top cornerbacks in the Big Ten, going up against Minnesota's receivers. So you're going to need a big game out of Dalen Wright and Daniel Jackson. Minnesota's looking for consistency from its wide receivers. So that's going to be a big part of it, being able to get open against man coverage, uh, the quick passing game and not getting into situations where you're behind the sticks because that's where Illinois thrives. They have a versatile 
and very aggressive defense under Ryan Walters. Talking to Daniel House, Gophers Guru, joining us here on the Lake Show on News Talk 830 WCCO. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter at Daniel House NFL. And he joins us courtesy of the John Schuster Cola Banker Hotline. All right, so how do you think this plays out? How, how, how do you view um, in terms of like, you know, because whenever you look at sports, right, specifically when we talk couch football and even more so with couch basketball, different styles make for different fights. What type of, from a stylistic standpoint, how do you think this plays out between Minnesota and Illinois? Well, this is one of those games where you want to get off to a quick start because Illinois, if they can get off to a start where they take the lead and they'll control the clock, slowly kind of bleed it out, play physical. You saw that the last time the Gophers played Illinois. It was a low-scoring game. Illinois got a quick drive right off the get-go and sort of established the, the flow of the game themselves. So I think starting fast will be key in this one. And the Gophers also have to do really well on first and second down because Illinois has one of the best passing downs defenses in college football, and that's where they get very creative. You will look offensively, Chase Brown, one of the top running backs in the country, very unique rushing style, elusive but very physical. Actually, him and Mo uh, are very similar in how they run the ball. P.J. Fleck was talking about that this week. You see some similarities in their yards after contact. He is number one in the FBS in yards after contact. And Illinois, only four teams in the Power Five have uh, forced more missed tackles than Illinois' running backs this year. So tackling on the defensive side is critical because you want to get them behind the sticks. Minnesota has the best uh, passing downs defense right now in college football. So that's the matchup to watch, Minnesota's ability to stop the run to get Illinois into passing down situations. You know what, Daniel? I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, but – I really do that. This is believe that this is an X factor and an intangible that favors mm-hmm. Illinois, and it's just the fact that right now Brett Bilma and his his guys, man, they got confidence, man. They got they 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 believe in themselves right now. They're back into the rankings. The Illini have been a program that's been downtrodden for years. Mm-hmm. I think that they are. I mean, since they're trending in a positive way, I think that they're thinking good about themselves right now. Well, yeah, and this team's hot. You know, their their confidence level is extremely high. The coaching staff that they put together down there has a group and some very good schemes that take advantage of the players that they have. Like I said, just a very versatile defense. And then on offense, so many different personnel groupings that create a lot of challenges in communication. Uh, It really makes communication super important for your defense. So when you're facing a team like this on the road at their place, coming off a win against Iowa, being able to beat Iowa and Wisconsin for the first time in forever. I mean, it's been like over 20 years since they were able to beat Iowa and Wisconsin in the same season. So Bielema definitely has that program trending, but I think what's separated Illinois, they've sort of evolved and become modern in certain areas. I think this this season more than ever, especially offensively, hiring Barry Lunny as offensive coordinator, they've been able to maybe not rely as much on some of the principles of like ball control. You'll notice like when they have a big play, they get up to the line of scrimmage and snap the ball very quick, try to catch the defense, uh, you know, in a bad position, maybe some chaos. So, you know, you saw Kevin O'Connell do that with the Vikings. I think that's something that a lot of modern offenses do well. Who do you like? How do you think this thing plays out? I think it's a very low scoring game. I see it being about like 20 to 17 Gophers, but, I think the first team to 20 points wins the game, and you know, takeaway here or there could definitely sway the outcome of this one. Uh, and field position will be a big factor as well. Can you back Illinois up, maybe get a takeaway, short field, and get a score? So I think points will definitely be 
low scoring in this one. So when, when you're making that bet this weekend, Leg, I'm going to tell you to probably take the under on the 40 and a half right now. I'm off the Gophers for a minute. I got, I got, I got to build my confidence back. I'm not Brett Billman with them right now. I got to build my confidence back with the with the Golden Gophers after they kind of screwed me a couple of weeks ago. But uh, but hey, Daniel, man, I appreciate the time. Check out his website, GophersGuru.com. Make sure that you join and subscribe to his fine work. And I appreciate you for joining us here on the Lake Show. Appreciate it, Lake. Have a good night. All right, take care. That's Daniel House joining us here on the Good Neighbor. All right, we will take a break. We'll come back. Time to talk some Timberwolves basketball. Britt Robson from MinPost. He joins us next here on The Lake Show. A quick description on Twitter for Britt Robson. An obsessive writer of sports, mostly pro hoops. Of course, he loves pro basketball. I like sitting and watching basketball with him. And it's funny because he's going to talk to us right now on the John Schuster Cole Banker Hotline and be on the show but he literally just hopped off of a pregame chat with Men Post fans um, on a Zoom, and now he's joining us here on the Lake Show. Brett, always a pleasure to have you on the show, man. How did the chat go? It went well. Uh, for uh, uh, it's never happened before that uh, initially they were a little timid. Uh, I, I, what I've usually done, I do an hour and I just open it up to questions and answers and. Uh, because the first couple I did, I, I had like a five-minute intro or whatever, and then the questions came fast and furious. And so the last few, I've just basically, you know, almost immediately said, okay, let's get right into the questions. And there were like maybe two, and then it it, it was an uncomfortable silence for like uh, 15 seconds while I scanned the, the various Zoom names and faces to see if anybody had their hand up, and they didn't. But eventually they came around again, and that was like a 30-second awkwardness. And then, you know, things carried through to the end, so it all worked out fine. But it was the first time where I thought, oh, man, maybe nobody's going to ask me any questions. <laughs> I mean, what were they expecting? They were expecting, they were expecting you to, to, like, break into some, like, some, uh, some stand-up comedy routine or something. They thought you were about to be the next Bernie Mac. Yeah, maybe. Or, you know, what's perhaps uh, MinPost is... <laughs> You know, is a like a not a sports site. It's uh, all kinds of stuff. You know, really good uh, community stuff, politics, arts, yeah. um, and so maybe a lot of the people who are hopping on were just kind of hoping to catch up, and they haven't seen a lot of the first three preseason games. That's kind of what I'm leaning toward. Is maybe they were just coming to be educated, but they didn't know specifically how to ask things to get that. Uh, that knowledge, and so yeah. they were waiting for the people, and then the people who did have questions, sometimes they like to hang back and uh, wait to the end once I get warmed up. Yeah, no. it all worked out fine, so yeah. you know, what kind of question do you got for me? I'm ready now, boy, I'll tell you, I've had a few. Alright, so, so, so my first question for you, Britt, is what are you able to gleam or get out of preseason basketball games? Specifically with the Wolves, because we're not seeing them playing everybody in one game. Like, it sounds like that most likely is going to happen on Friday, but but to this point, it's been like, okay, Cat's not playing the first game, neither is Rudy. Oh, Rudy's going to show up tonight, but no Cat. Now Cat's going to play and no Rudy. What, how, what do you make of the kind of mixing and matching as we've kind of started and worked through this preseason? Well, I think it's a big disappointment to all concerned, including, you know, Coach Finch. Who, who expressed disappointment above that in a, in a, a Zoom the other day. Um, 
I think that Rudy going to Eurobasket was expected. It was expected that he would show up in preseason camp very much in shape, and if anything, in perhaps a need of a little bit of a rest. And I think they were planning on resting him off and on. But I also think they were planning on every time he played, perhaps having Cat on the floor with him. And the fact that Cat had uh, some kind of uh, illness that he didn't really go into detail about, he did mention he was briefly hospitalized for it and uh, it made it sound fairly serious. The fact is, is the cat missed the entire first week of practice, which is usually when you, you know, you fold everything in and put a lot of stuff in. And so I think that now, you know, Rudy wore a brace the last, the only time he, he's like played in preseason. And so that's a little bit of a concern. I don't think it's a big concern. Finch said they'll both be on the floor for the opener, if not on Friday, the final preseason game. But um, yeah, it's a concern because, Let's face it, the big question mark is how you defend effectively with two bigs in a league that has gone small and quick and mostly likes to play five out, a lot of rapid passes, knowing that the ball moves faster than feet, and sooner or later you get an open, you know, wide open look from outside. Um, that is hard to defend, you know, with uh, four quick players. If uh, Gobert and Cat are, you know, two bigs on the floor, uh, it's going to be hard to defend that kind of stuff. I have a lot of faith in Coach Chris Finch. I think he's a great coach, and I think he'll probably figure out a good fix. When I interviewed him last month, he said that he didn't really know everything he would put in. He would have to wait to see what teams threw at him so he could adjust. But I do think he wanted to get in his base coverages. He wanted to get in the drop system that Gobert has to play because he's the best rim protector in the NBA. So you play drop coverage with that guy. But if you're playing drop coverage with Rudy Gobert, how do you use Cat in the power forward position if you've got one guy whose primary responsibility is rim protection? What do you do with Cat? I think that that opportunity to get more progress toward the answer to those questions is what has been a drawback about these circumstances that have happened. And I think that Finch is disappointed by it. On the other hand, there's another way to look at it, which is that Gobert is signed for the next four years. Cat is signed for the next five. They are going to make this work. They're paying both of them, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, and so uh, this is going to happen. And another really good thing is that their first five games, Oklahoma City, Utah, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, San Antonio, that's five straight games against teams widely expected to be tanking this year already. We know this. And then the Lakers at home in game six, then back to San Antonio on the road, game seven. Uh, games nine and ten are Houston and New York, two other teams that aren't as good. So yep. they have seven patsies in their first ten games. Yep, no question. Um, and so the schedule is very forgiving, and perhaps that will be enough. On the other hand, what if they don't sync it up? What if it is a much harder learning curve to get those guys on the same page than you imagined? And what if you drop one or two games to these tanking teams that every other team is going to be feasting on later in the season while you're playing a beefed-up schedule because you've gotten the patsies out of the way? Yep. So that's the danger. Yep. But um, when you get back to your original question, which is, you know, what am I getting out of the preseason – 
what I've gotten out of it is that Tim Connolly did a really nice job with the end of the roster. Yep. I think that Bryn Forbes has been very impressive as a guy making a little over $2 million, who's a great three-point shooter. He gives you most of the value of what you got out of Malik Beasley at $15 million a year. Um, I think that Austin Rivers, another guy, end-of-bench, backcourt guy, um, plays really good on-ball defense, very different skill set than Forbes. But I think those two guys combined – making $5 million this year at the end of the roster can give you some interesting depth in the backcourt. Uh, I really like what I've seen out of Jaden McDaniels. I think that his offensive game looks more refined. I like the 10 pounds that Anthony Edwards has put on. He's still making some of the mistakes he made last year in terms of uh, shot selection. But um, in general, I see him prime for a big season. So, there are a lot of reasons for optimism from what I've seen, but uh, I do think that the question number one that's on everybody's mind, how do you synergize your two big men, is uh, remains an open question, and they are at this point behind the curve. Yep. Talking to Britt Robson from Mimpos here on the Lake Show on News Talk 830 WCCO. He's joining, uh, joining us courtesy of the John Schuster Gold Banker Hotline. All right, so Britt, of all the players... Um, of all the starters, okay. Let me let me start there. Sure. Uh, who benefits the most from the addition of Rudy Gobert? D'Lo, hands down. Okay. Um, first of all, D'Lo is not a great on-ball defender, and is occasionally a matador defender. Uh, if you're a matador defender on the perimeter, who better to have behind you than Rudy Gobert? So that's the uh, that's the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, D'Lo's. If it isn't his best skill, it's in the top two or three. He's a pick-and-roll guy. He really knows how to run a pick-and-roll. Rudy Gobert, as a uh, pick-and-roll receiver on the pick-and-roll, scored more points per pick-and-roll play than anybody in the NBA last year. Uh, He shoots about 70%. uh, Almost all of his shots come from like three feet within the rim. Uh, because what he runs almost all the time is pick and roll or rebounds and gets putbacks. That's his game. Um, so at both ends of the court, what D'Lo does really well is maximized, and those things that were flaws last season, Matador defense and not having a pick and roll partner, uh, hurt him hurt his standing on the roster last year. So um, not only are his strengths strengthens, but his weaknesses are shored up. So, yeah, but without question, D'Lo. You know, Britt, give me the name of the guy on the roster that you think is, in your estimation, is flying under the radar, but who you think could be primed to break out. And when I say break out, I'm not talking about in terms of being an all-star or anything like that, but but be like a major contributor. Because the guy that I look at that I feel isn't getting enough talk, um, and maybe he'll never be that guy to get a lot of talk, but I, hopefully his his play on the basketball court is going to translate into more conversations surrounding him, is Jalen Noel. I, I think that Jalen Noel could be a guy that can step in and step up a little bit more this season. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of candidates, but I would put him in the top three. I'd put Jaden McDaniels there. I, I think that, obviously, the fact that the Wolves included two extra first-round picks rather than than get rid of him in that Gobert uh, blockbuster package uh, already has raised his profile. And I think the, the fact that Finch has compared him to Scottie Pippen 
in an interview I did with him about a year and a half ago, has also raised his profile. But I do think that he is a guy. But specific to Noel, um, Finch was very, very blunt about his opinion of Noel uh, the first year and a half he was here, which is that he loves his offensive game, but his defense had to get better. And Noel really worked on it. And I would not say Noel is even an average defender now, but he's not such a big liability that it's a problem. And again, he's another guy that will benefit from Gobert's rim protection. But what I do see is that his confidence is up and he is, I mean, he was a second round pick out of Washington. He wasn't regarded. I think he probably was, you know, all pack 10 team or whatever, but he wasn't really heavily on the radar as like a superstar guy. And he was uh, signed to what we call a Gupta special, a, a contract that is for a long time at cheap money. Uh, he's in his third year of it, and I think it runs out this year. So it's kind of a make-or-break season to some extent for him. On the other hand, he looks really confident. Uh, Finch, uh, memorably, it was before the Gobert trade, but he said that one of the keys to the development of the Wolves this season was how Anthony Edwards, Jade McDaniels, and Jalen Noel fared this season and everybody on the Wolves beat media looked at each other and went, oh, okay, Jaden Noel is, you know, being lumped in with Ant and Jaden McDaniels as an important development piece. And so I think he understands that that's kind of what's being expected of him. Um, I know why you like him. The guy is a walking bucket, you know. I mean, he he, he's one of those guys that can, you know, if you need points off the bounce, he'll get it. Um, he shot under over 39% from three-point range last year. It went under the radar kind of because he, he is more renowned as a bucket getter, a guy who you beats people off the dribble and then pulls up for the mid-range or, or you know has that kind of uh, crazy quilt mid-range game that can confound defenses. Um, so I think the fact that he can shoot that three and he can dish a little bit too, uh, Finch wants him to be a little bit more involved in the playmaking. Uh, if his defense can hold to at least even, you know, C minus level rather than F plus, um, then I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a guy who the Wolves would be happy to sign to a larger long-term deal, you know, mid-range, six, seven, eight million dollars a year, um, and move forward as another key piece. Because let's face it, the draft isn't going to get anything every other year when, you know, we punted a draft pick. Yep. And so they need to develop young guys. And Jalen Noel is still pretty young. I think he's 23 years old. Hey, Brett, always a pleasure to have you on the show, my man. And uh, we will see you at Target Center very soon. Sounds good. All right, take care. All right, that's uh, Britt Robson, man, joining us here uh, via the John Schuster uh, Cole Banker Hotline. He does a phenomenal job covering the Wolves. Uh, he's a big music fan. Me and him talk about music all the time, and he loves to uh, get those political jabs in there as well, follow his fine work for many posts. All right, we will take a break. Uh, we'll take a look at the local weather. And then coming up next, uh, I want to get into this topic revolving around broadcasters in the whole sports wagering angle, but with insider information. Does that bother you? We'll get to it next year on The Lake Show. Sports wagering. It's a big deal. It should be an even bigger deal in Minnesota because if you're listening to me right now, you should be able to bet on the NFL. You should be able to bet 
on the NBA. You should be able to go to a casino or pull up an app and be able to wager. That's just a fact. I, I, that well, it's not a fact. It's my opinion. It's not a fact. It's my opinion. My opinion is sports wagering needs to be legal in the state of Minnesota ASAP. Agreed. It just we're behind the times. We're we're missing out, man. The state could be making so much money. All these other states that haven't legalized gambling, they're making millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. They're making a ton of cash. And it's going to happen eventually. Stop slowing the progress. It just it's infuriating. Anyway. We know that gambling takes place. Heck, if you want to go gamble on the Kentucky Derby, all that other stuff, if you want to go play cards, if you want to go gamble, you can gamble in Minnesota. You yeah. just can't do the sports wagering bit. Right. There is going to come a day where that's going to happen. But until that time, you're going to still have wagering taking place by all of us. But when we talk about those like... Um, Let's say the Joe Rogans of the world that have a lot of information, a lot of inside information, okay, about matchups, about training sessions, just about because that's what he's a media member. And when I, and not just a media member, like he's not Britt Robson. He's not Henry, like he's like around fighters 24 7. I, I think he's, I think he's on UFC's payroll. No, no, yeah, he is. He, so, he, yeah, brought, he, he broadcast. He broadcast mm-hmm. the. Um, he's part of the UFC fights. Another reason to hate Joe Rogan. So, Joe Rogan has recently admitted that he places bets, and realistically has insider information. And people are like, "Well, hold on, that doesn't seem right. That that's a thing." And quite frankly, I agree. I'm not sitting here saying that Henry Lake never bets or wagers at all on sports. I absolutely do. Okay? You guys have heard me talk about going to Vegas and betting in March Madness and being at NBA Summer League and all of that stuff. Yes. And even when I went to Kansas City a couple of weeks ago, because it's legalized there. Yes. Now you can go to the casino. You can get on the app. and You can do all that stuff. I can make bets. Well, you were talking about the parlay with Daniel yeah, House. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and so I just don't – Henry Lake is not making a bet on go for football with insider information. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not efforting to get insider information. I'm not – that. none of that means I am in fan mode watching and observing Alabama, Clemson, Gophers, whatever the team is of that day. And I'm like everybody else, being a fan, place a wager. Now, now I know that – let me address this before people bring it up. I know people will be like, well, hold on, Lake. You know a little bit more about the Wolves than, than the average person. I don't – because I'm a season ticket holder. I feel like I'm close to the Wolves stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't I just don't like that part of it. Like I don't like being that. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to be putting money on a product and sitting there and I'm watching it cuz I don't want to I don't want to skirt those it, lines. It, it feels unethical. It, it just feels yeah, it just feels weird. Yeah. Even, so, even though there wouldn't be anything wrong with it. Yeah, no, your no, moral, te- no, your, your no, moral compass won't allow no, you. No, to no. Get it. T- technically I can do it if I want to, but I guess what I'm saying is is that it's just kind of um a weird feeling. It's a gray it. area. Yeah, and so so 
I think that Joe Rogan should not. I'm not saying he shouldn't bet on sports. I think it's weird that he's betting on UFC cards. Yeah, I mean, I I really wasn't that concerned about it. Uh, I guess you know the information that he knows is naturally going to give him an advantage. I don't look at this any other way than, you know, somebody in the NBA having access to information or the and you know, the, you know, NFL or Major League Baseball or, you know, whoever. I feel like that information But it's different. Huh? It's different. How? The NFL has reports about who's going to play and who's not going to play, and they have injury stuff. We don't get that from UFC. Right, but there – I mean, you're going to know things as a reporter, as somebody who's around the team every day, even things that aren't publicized. Not all the time you don't. I'm not saying all the time, but there are going to be instances where you might know of something. You know, maybe a player is – you know, maybe somebody's under the weather. Or, you know, they've got something going on I get that. that isn't publicized. And I'm not saying that a lot of people would use it to their advantage, but there are people out there that that would. So I, I guess I don't really look at it as being that big of a deal. Like if you've got access to information, I feel like a majority of people are going to use that to their advantage, like Joe Rogan is. And I guess it doesn't. I guess it doesn't really bother but, me. But the majority of people don't have the access to the information is the issue, though. Like, everybody in the world can look up, they can go online tomorrow and see what the designation is for an injury report. Literally, the teams have to put out who's practicing, who's limited, who all, all of that stuff. Yeah, it's all public information. But- um, with the UFC, uh, which fighter was it? The heavyweight fighter, uh, upset victory that he had last year. He had a torn, he, had, he got hurt in his camp. I knew nothing about mm-hmm. it. And... If and I guess a few people may have known about it, I just think it'd be unfair that if a Joe Rogan knew that, oh, it's Francis Ngannou. He had the injury with the knee, and remember he came in, he had the knee, he had the pad thing on his knee. If if Joe Rogan knows that three weeks in advance, I, I, that doesn't seem right to me. No, it it doesn't, and and I guess I think you know if we're talking specifically about UFC. I guess that's that's different because there's only a handful of people that have that sort of access that Joe Rogan does. I guess I, I was thinking more along the lines of you know your typical beat reporters for all of the other major teams that might know a little something here and yeah. there. That, but but, but this, I mean, if we're talking about UFC, then I mean it's. But we it's, can talk about both. But, but I guess this is the bigger point, though, Chris, is that let's say it's all the same. I think that Joe Rogan on his end is a dummy about it because let's say that people know about injuries in the NFL, the NBA, and all of this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Well, pretty sure that these beat writers and reporters, they're not dumb enough to just tell the world that they know stuff. Joe Rogan Rogan was. I think think that Joe Rogan, he put the focus on himself when he should not have. I think it was a poor decision on his part – to to off to, to to even talk about him having inside information, and maybe that's true, but there could be repercussions for employees of other media outlets with other leagues. Whereas, I mean, Joe Rogan is Dana White's boy. Like, I, I don't 
Joe Rogan, to me, is untouchable when it comes to the UFC. Yeah, that makes it worse, actually. I mean, well, no, I, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, Joe Rogan, he can say whatever he wants, and he can do whatever he wants. And guess what? There's going to be no punishment. Yeah, I'm not boys with Adam Silver. Yeah, no. I, I mean, <laughs> you know, let's say Britt, you know, finds out something, you know, about the Wolves. You know, maybe, you know, Anthony Edwards sprains his ankle, you know, coming up before a, a big game against the Lakers, and nobody knows about it, but and it's not put out there. Well, guess what? He knows about that, but I think this is where the whole ethics of the individual comes in. Yes. I mean, we know that Joe Rogan is not the most ethical person in the world. Can't stand him. But he's, he knows there's not going to be – he can say whatever he wants. Like He can do whatever he wants with this information until he's reprimanded for it. Yeah. He's going to use it for whatever he wants to That's for that. you know personal gain. That's your guy. All right, coming oh, up yeah. next. <laughs> I love the Joe Rogan experience. Final segment of The Late Show. All right, a really quick text into the show that Chris is going to read here. Yeah, we were talking about Joe Rogan and having access to that information. I uh, just had a texture that came through. This screams politicians and families making a huge stock trades just before regulation. That's a great point. Yep, I think it's a great point. Well said. And I said this when it came up about Nancy Pelosi. None of that. No, to no, no. Slap them hands. Nancy, I don't care if it's Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi don't treat her any different than, was it Kelly Loeffler, the lady that used to own the Atlanta Dream? It's all the same. Don't do that stuff. All right, coming up next, we got Wolves basketball. The Lakers. I'm the Lake Show. They claim to be the Lake Show. Up next here on the Good Neighbor News Talk, 830-WCCO. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.